Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Amen. I said, are you ready to hear it tonight? All right. Well, please, let's do give Pastor Charles Neiman a great One Cause Church welcome tonight. Amen. All right, thank you so much. Please be seated. It's great to be with you tonight, and uh, thank you for coming out on this uh, interesting night. I don't know why Pastor keeps booking me when the Cowboys are playing on Sunday night. I don't know if he thinks it's funny, or he doesn't pay attention, or... Thank you. Amen. Amen. So anyway, thank all of you for coming. It's uh, great to have you here, and it's always a joy to be with you and to be with your pastors and family and uh, they're part of our extended family in El Paso, and we're just very, very honored uh, to be invited to come and be here tonight. So it's great. How many of you love the Lord on this great Sunday night? Amen. And how many of you are so glad He is on your side tonight? Amen. Good deal. All right. Well, uh, I didn't bring a lot of material with me uh, in addition to what I'm going to share with you, but uh, I have a, a big sack back there, and uh, we in created these... Uh, Cross equals love bracelets. Can you see it? And uh, it all came out of a campaign we started two years ago at Easter. And, uh, and it just became so alive in our church that it just is like year-round year now. And uh, we have T-shirts made and one thing or another. But really, to me, one of the greatest things we invented came up with was this little bracelet. And uh, so we brought a bunch of them. We have, men, we have adult sizes and children's sizes. They're only three bucks. But what's incredible about them is that is, I'm amazed at, at the questions I get and how you can witness to people without even really saying a word to them. And, uh, and I think a part of it is, is because so much of Christianity has looked at the cross as a funny-shaped club that we are to take out into the world and beat people over the head with it. When in fact, what it is, it is a symbol of the greatest act of love the world has ever known. And, and when you bring that simple thought to people, it really affects them. And I would encourage you uh, to maybe think about getting one, all right, and uh, start wearing it. And uh, I, I literally have people stop me in places. I, on airplanes, I, I usually carry extras with me because I have flight attendants come up to me and say, where did you get that and how can I get one? And, uh, and I just give them to them, and they're just like so overwhelmed. It's amazing, isn't it? Just what a little thing. And I wear it because it reminds me every day that, you know, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know this when I wake up. God does love me, and uh, he is committed to that love for me every day of my life. Amen. As I say at our church, God is head over heels in love with you, and get ready, and there is nothing you can do to stop him from being in love with you, all right? He loved you before you were conceived, and he'll love you all the way through, all right? So it's an incredible thought, all right? Are you ready to get in the Word tonight? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Uh, open your Bible with me to Matthew, the 7th chapter. Matthew, chapter 7. I want to share with you tonight some of a series that I did at our church back in May, uh, and, and it, it comes out of uh, some very familiar verses here in Matthew chapter 7. Now, if you don't know it, Matthew chapter 7 is the end of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount starts in chapter 5 and goes all the way through 5, all the way through 6, and all the way through chapter 7. It was, Jesus was quite 
long-winded that day, all right? But what makes, to really understand the Sermon on the Mount, there is a phrase that repeats itself throughout the Sermon on the Mount, and this, here is the phrase. Jesus continually says through all three chapters, you have heard it said, but now I say. You have heard it said, but now I say. So that day, more than any other day in his life, Jesus in my vocabulary, kind of drew the line between the way things had been and the way things were going to be. All right? So he said, you have heard it said, but now I say. All right? He being, since he is the word, he being the only one that had the authority to add to or even take away. All right? Because he is the word. Amen. All right? So he, he begins to draw this line, and he, and he brings revelation to life. And he, what he's doing is he is unfolding the difference between the law covenant and the new covenant. And he's drawing a line and starting to establish that things were going to be different. Are you with me so far? So he goes all the way through that. Now remember again, right, the key phrase to understanding it is, you have heard it said, but now I say. Now, that's important as we get ready to read because we're going to come into the end of the seventh chapter when he's kind of wrapping it all up and he's given all of these sayings. Right in chapter 5, he does the Beatitudes, right? In chapter 6, he talks about priorities. He talks about seeking first the kingdom. He talks about the importance of keeping your eyes single. He talks about, in chapter 7, about, about you know, uh, your, your life and your priorities and all those things. And then he's wrapping it up, right? And he comes down and, and so let's begin reading in verse 24. He says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine. Now see that now it changes, doesn't it? Right? Now you see he's, he's changing. He said, okay, you've heard it said, but now I've said. So he brings this understanding of his sayings. And he says, now, therefore, whosoever heareth. Do I have any whosoever's in the room tonight? Right, I love that. Right, because... Somewhere in that word, whosoever, is me. And somewhere in that word, whosoever, is you. He didn't say, therefore, what Jew hears or what uh, American hears or what rich man or poor man or young man or old man or woman. No, he just says, whosoever. Right? Which in itself was a revolutionary statement because before Jesus came, the word was not given to whosoever's. It was given to the nation of Israel. So he says, now with my sayings, my sayings are going to go to everybody, which in itself was a whole new concept. All right. He was embracing the whole world, Jew or Gentile, made no difference. All right. So then he continues. He said, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine. Now, the word heareth there in the original Greek, you know, the New Testament was originally written in Greek. I can't read Greek, but I can read a Greek English dictionary. Okay. And so, you know, I, I looked up that word heareth and the word heareth there uh, does not mean to hear a sound. It means to understand a sound. So really, you could replace that word with the word understand. So whosoever understands my sayings. Now, watch what he said. Whosoever. Understand. So it's not enough just to hear the word. There's an understanding, right? Understanding comes because you want it. You want to embrace it. You want it to affect your life. Could I get a good amen tonight, right? So, so he says that whosoever understands my sayings, now watch what he says, 
I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. All right, now, interesting here. Just bear with me for a moment. This is going to make sense to you. All right, I need to be a little academic here for a second. Because what, what's interesting here is, is that Jesus now gives a revelation. And what he says to us is, is that from, from his vantage point, God vantage point, that he compares our lives to a house. Which is interesting. Right? Because he has, the, he has knowledge of all vocabulary. He could have compared our lives to a tree. could have compared our lives to a river. He could have compared our lives to, to a rock. To so many things. And yet he says that your life and my life is like a house. All right, so, 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 so your life is like a house. Now, let's, 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 let's expand that out for a second. Are you still with me? Okay, so my life and your life is like a house. Now, what's interesting about a house is house got lots of rooms. Right, so your house, your house, which is your life, is going to have a lot of rooms in it. Okay, and, and I don't know how it is. I'm probably the same way at your house that it is at my house, right? My house got a lot of rooms in it. All right. And there are some rooms that I go into every day. And there are some rooms. I just bought a new house a, a couple of years ago. And, uh, and so there are rooms in my house that when I started teaching on this, I, I, I got thinking about it. And I thought, there are rooms in my house that I went into the day I moved in. And I will probably never open that door again. Because <laughs> they're like closets, right? And I mean, it's only me living in the house, right? So, I mean, I just don't need to go in that closet. So, it'll probably, it's there if I ever need it, you know, but there you are. All right, but there are other rooms, just like in your house, I go into all the time. And you know, the same thing's true in your life, right? There are rooms that you go into all the time in your house, and there's rooms that you don't go into very often, but they're a part of your house, a part of your life. Yes. Amen. And, and so he says, you, you build your house, all right? Now watch, this is going to get really good. Are you ready? Okay. So he says here now, he says, go back with me. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, understand, and doeth them, I will liken him or allows the word to impact him, right? You allow the word to impact you. There are people that hear the word, but then allow the word to impact them. All right? He'll bring that up in just a second. I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Watch now. And the rain descended and the floods came. Watch this. And the winds blew. Would you please under, underline that thought in your thinking? And the winds blew and beat upon that house or that life. And it, that house, that life fell not. For it, that house, that life was founded upon a rock. Watch now. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and forgetteth them and doeth them not. So there's, it is possible, isn't this astounding? It is possible to understand Scripture and yet refuse to allow it to penetrate your life. You get it. You understand it. It's not like you said, well, I don't, get it. I don't, I don't understand what Pastor talked about. No, you, they, they, they understood it. And then they walk out. And don't allow it to, to penetrate their life or change their attitudes, change their actions, change their priorities, change their, 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 their believing systems. Okay? Now, Jesus said then that that man, which is none of you that are here on Sunday night listening to me, 
you, you missed a good chance to say amen right there. I'm going to give it that. That's none of you that are here tonight. Amen. All right. Th those are those dear relatives, okay? You know which ones you just flash through your mind. And doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon a rock, uh, the sand. Now, I want you to notice something. Both men built their house. Both men built their house. Every one of us in this room tonight are building our house. The reality of life is this. The life you have is the life you build. And the life you build is the life you have. Now, you'll choose to build your house one way, and you'll choose to build it one place, or you'll build it another way, and you'll build it another place, but you're still building it. Now, I've had people come up to me and argue with me about this, because I tell them, all of us are building their house, and I've had people come up to me and say, no, I, I'm not building my house. I just take whatever life gives. Neglecting your house is a form of building your house. It is still a form of building. All right, neglecting your marriage is a form of building your marriage. Neglecting your health is a form of building your health. Neglecting your financial future is a way of building your financial future. You're still building. It's one thing all of us have in common in here tonight. No matter how young you are, how old you are, no matter what ethnic group you came from, no matter what your financial place in life, you are building your house. I'm building mine and you're building yours. Now, watch what happens. This is very interesting, right? Now, th that's not the main point of what I want to teach you about tonight. I want you to go on with me. And so this man built his house upon the sand and watch. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, that life, and it, that house, that life, fell. And great was the fall of it, that life, that house. Now, I want you to notice that no matter where you built your house, three things happened. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew. Right? They came. Now, if you look at the scripture, and I gave you time to study it out, you, would, you, you probably already know the answer. Even when I ask you, if you don't, I'll tell you. Why did they come? Why did the rain come? Why did the wind come? Why did the, why, why did the floods come? It's clear. The, the, the storms came, the wind, the rain, the floods came. It's clear in both places to cause the house to fall. Look at it again, right? The one that built on the rock said that the rain came, the winds blew, the, the, the flood came. Why? And what happened? It fell not. And the one built on sand, it fell. So obviously, the wind, the rain, the floods came to cause the house to fall, cause the life to fall. Now, what's interesting in the Greek text, it says the word fall means to, to come down from a higher to a lower place. To come from a higher to a lower place. Hey, listen, I'll remind you again tonight. Every time God brings revelation into your life, every time God brings understanding into your life, it comes to take you from a lower to a higher place. Right? Right? God's goal tonight, and, and really it's up to me to make, to, 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 you know, it's primarily using me to make it happen, right? Is to, when you leave here tonight, that your life will be in a higher place than it was when you came in. All right? That you'll be, you'll be closer to, to enjoying the abundant life. You'll be walking in that abundant life. Your life will get better. Amen? And, that, and that's God's will every time God, God brings understanding into your life. is to take you from a lower to a higher place. But the wind, the wind blows, the rain falls, the floods come. For what reason? To bring you from a higher place to a lower place. So guess what, children of God? 
every time God brings revelation in your life or throughout your life, you have another force over here that is opposing you, that is trying, God is trying to take you from a lower place to a higher place or from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And then there's opposition that's trying to take you from the higher place back down to the lower place. All right? That is trying to take you, this is good, huh? That's trying to take you and I and your family, my family, your church, our church, trying to take us from a higher place down to a lower place. Okay, be clear. God always takes you from a lower place to a higher place. And the storms of life come to take us from a higher place to a lower place. All right, but notice the man that built his house on the rock his house did not fall. It didn't go from the lower, from the higher to the lower. It just stayed at the higher. All right? And I think it's because he understood what was going on. He understood what was happening. All right? Now, this is very interesting. You're, you're, you're ready to learn some interesting things here? As I began to look at this, right, uh, this part about the wind really got my attention. And part of it is because of where I live, okay? Uh, if you don't like wind, you better not move to El Paso, okay? I mean, we get serious wind where I live. Uh, I, I don't know what you guys get here, but I'm talking we get serious wind, all right? I, I live up on the mountain. We have a mountain range that comes through El Paso. I live up on the mountain. And literally, literally, the wind blows so hard at my house, like a lot, blows so hard at my house, you can hear the water sloshing in the toilets. It literally shakes the house, all right, and moves the house. I mean, furniture gets blown up. I was coming out of my old house I was living in one time. We'd had a windstorm the night before, and a neighbor above us, right, there's a street up, I came up out of mine, and there was a street up here, and a trampoline in his backyard was now down in the street. And not a little kid's trampoline, like a full-size, gigantic thing. The wind just picked it up and lifted it and dropped it down in the street. What? Okay? So I understand something about the wind. All right? So I began to look at this, right? And, and I began to study this. And, and I, I was drawn to it, right? So it says, the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew. Now, write this down, right? Uh, you know, I'm, uh, some of you have heard me before. I'm, I'm really into words, right? I was into them before I ever started teaching the Bible. Even when I was a kid, I had dictionaries around me and things. I was always looking up words, right? Because I discovered, even as a child, that there is no premium on stupidity. Now, I'm sorry to be so blunt, but I only have one night. Amen. So... What am I apologizing for? Pastor talked about knowing somebody when he couldn't control his bowels. That is information I just don't care to know. Amen? Thank you very much. I'm sorry for you, whoever you are that embarrassed you that way. It was somebody over in this region. We will not ask for a show of hands. All right? Because I just don't want to connect those images with anybody. So, uh, so I, I, I looked up. Now, I've always been looking up words, right? So I got out my Greek-English New Testament dictionary, and I looked, up, I looked up the word winds, blue, and the word blue, and I discovered there that, that in the context of what Jesus was writing, right, the main emphasis that he placed, if you would have heard him speak in the original text, the main emphasis that he placed was on the effect of the wind, even more than the rain and the flood. 
Now, he made us aware of that, but his main emphasis was the effect of the wind. Watch, I'll prove it to you, okay? So it says the wind's blew. The word blew in the Greek text means to drive or toss, to agitate. To drive or toss, to agitate. Now, in verse 25, notice it says, and, and the rains uh, and the wind blew and beat upon the house. And in verse 27, whether you built your house on the rock, you built your house on the sand, right? The wind blew and beat upon the house. Now, just because I'm this way, I looked up, you know, if you read it in the King James text, you assume it's the same words. I assumed it was the same words. But my curiosity, I learned a long time ago not to assume anything when I'm reading Scripture. Right? To do your homework, do your study, check it out for yourself. Because you, if you don't, you're going to miss great truth. Now watch this. This is fascinating to me. I hope it is to you. Right? So in chapter, in verse 25, he said, And the winds blew and beat upon the house. Right? The winds blew and beat upon the house. The flood didn't beat upon the house. The rain didn't beat upon the house. The wind beat upon the house. Beat it. Beat upon the house. Right? So the winds blew. Right, and beat upon the house. In verse 25, write this down if you're taking notes. That phrase, beat upon, in the original text means to assault, particularly referring to the effect of the wind. Now, again, if you live where I live, you know what it means to be assaulted by the wind. No, I'm telling you the truth. My guys here with me, they can vouch for it. Some of you have been to El Paso in March, and you know what it's like to be assaulted by the wind. I mean, you, you, you come out of your house and bam! I mean, it just hits you. I mean, it's blowing 40, 50 miles an hour. There have been times in my house where the weather bureaus clocked cluck the winds at my house on a clear day. No rain, no clouds, no warnings. 75, 80 miles an hour. That's hurricane strength. Yeah. And it's just blowing. Right? So you get assaulted by the wind. I was, in, I, was, I was getting out of my car one day, and I opened the car door, and the wind caught it and broke my door. Broke the hinge. I was like, I need to move. This is nuts. So I took my car in, and the guy said, oh, don't worry about it, Mr. Neiman. It happens all the time. Oh, great. All right, so, so you understand what I'm saying about a wind that assaults, right? This is a wind that comes and it's in your face, right? You know what it is. You see what it is. It hits you. Now, you would think that's what he talks about in verse 27, but he doesn't. He gives revelation knowledge to us. Watch. In verse 27, he uses the phrase beat upon, but it means differently. In 27, the word that he used means to strike or dash against as the foot against a stone which causes you to stumble in a spiritual sense. It means to be offended. So now Jesus reveals to us, right, that, that, that the wind comes against your life in two ways, right? There is this assaulting wind that hits your life, but then there's a subtle wind. It's like a stone in your path, and you're walking along, and you catch your foot, and it causes you to stumble. Either way... Either way, you fall. And we need to be aware of both of the effects of these two kinds of wind upon our life. If you're going to get from where you are, I'm just going to cut to the chase now. If you want to get from where you are to where God wants you to be, you're going to have to learn how to stand against the wind. 
You're going to have to know what the wind is. You're going to have to pay attention to the wind, whether it's the assaulting wind or the subtle wind that just comes to cause you to stumble. Because both winds come to cause your life to fall. Did you see it? It's right there in front of us. Right? These two different manifestations of the wind. Are you learning anything? Right? So this wind blows against your life as a child of God. This is good, huh? So this wind blows against my life and against your life as a child of God. And this wind comes with one intention to cause your life to fall, your marriage to fall, your house to fall, your health to fall, your finances to fall, your business to fall. Right? This wind comes against your life. Okay, let me give it to you again. There's that in-your-face assaulting wind, but then there's this subtle wind. All right? That's like a rock in the path that you'll catch your foot on and you'll eventually stumble and fall. All right? It manifests itself oftentimes by being offended. All right? You get offended. All right? So we're doing good? So obviously, here we see the effects, the different effects of the wind. The assaulting wind, the stumbling wind. Okay? Now, you know what's amazing? In Proverbs chapter 1, one of the great statements in, that, in there is that, is that the wind comes, right? That the wind comes, and it comes like a whirlwind, all right? And, and in Proverbs chapter 1, God says that the wisdom of God, listen to this, the wisdom, listen, this is so fascinating to me. The wisdom of God cries out to us in the streets, In the streets. Do you know that you can get the wisdom of God apart from your Bible? Now, I'm not saying you quit reading your Bible. That's the greatest source of the wisdom of God. But the wisdom of God cries out to us in the streets. You know, you can look, at, you can walk out of here tonight. And if you'll start just being observant and thinking about what I'm teaching you, you'll see these two kinds of winds hitting people's lives, hitting people all the time. Right? This assaulting wind in your face. Temptation just comes. Bang. A problem comes. Hits people in the face. And then there's that subtle wind that's like a rock that just catches their foot. And they begin to stumble and eventually they fall. Right? I cannot tell you. You know, as a pastor of a church, like all the pastors here tonight, I spend an enormous amount of time. These, these guys, my men here will tell you, I spend an enormous amount of my time every week in counseling sessions. And once I, when, I, when I learned this and I saw this, you know, I just sit there sometimes and I can just pick up in their life and I just look at them. I say, you know what? There's a wind blowing against your life. It's not an assaulting wind. It's a subtle wind. And that went, but still it's a wind and it's come to blow you off course. To take you from the path that God has for you and blow you off course. Is this making sense to you? Right? You know, I, I do a lot of flying, and, uh, and, 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 and I get to do some of it in private aviation because a friend of mine has a plane. He lets me use it. Hallelujah for friends. All right? And like today, you know, we, he, I asked him if we could use this plane. He said, sure. So it was great, right? Otherwise, I couldn't have made it. So, you know, it was great. And we'll go home tomorrow, you know, on a private plane. It's great. It's brilliant. I tell people all the time, if I had a lot of money, that's what I would buy. Because you could get really spoiled to that in a hurry, all right? And so, uh, 
but what, one of the interesting things, and they have any pilots in here, if you've ever seen videos, I, I was in a, in a private aviation, uh, they call them an FBO, it's where private aviation planes land, fixed base operator, and I was in there one day, and there were some guys learning to fly, and they had a video on, and they were showing these videos, somebody was down underneath runways, and they were showing these big commercial jets coming in to land, and the crosswinds, it really shocked me when I saw it, the crosswinds were so strong, now you think that the plane's flying like this, but it's really flying like this. Right? Because they have to set it differently to counteract the effect of the crosswinds. If they kept it straight, the pilot thinks he's going that way, but he's really going that way. Because the winds blow him off course. Man, there's a great lesson right there, right? So these winds blow against us, and you and I have to adjust to those winds. Can I hear a good amen all right, right? So we have to adjust. Now, you won't adjust if you're not paying attention to them. See, if you're not focused on them, if you're not aware of it, if you're not paying attention to these winds that are blowing against your life, okay, that are blowing against your house, that are trying to blow your life off course. Now remember, the subtle wind, most, most Christian people are very conscious of the assaulting wind. Okay, the assaulting wind. I'll tell you a quick story. I told this at my church, right? I forgot about it. Many years ago, I was invited to come speak at a church in the Midwest, and, and, uh, and so I went. It was a conference, and I went, and, and obviously they put me at a hotel. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, that night, the pastor just had somebody take me and drop me at the hotel. And so I was hungry, so I said, well, I'll just go down to the restaurant and eat. So I went down in the restaurant, and I'm there by myself, and uh, I sit down in the restaurant, and I'm, I place my order, and, you know, that was back before cell phones. You couldn't get on the Internet. There was no Internet to get on. I mean, this, this was a while ago. I know some of you are like, oh, my God, you lived without the Internet. Yeah, we did okay, too. <laughs> and we really did. Yeah, people actually got to know each other. They communicated. It was spectacular. And uh, so... Uh, I was sitting there, right, and I placed my order, and when I did, right, I, I was looking around the restaurant, and I looked out, and on the outside, now I came in a door behind me, and I didn't recognize there was another door, and when I looked out that door, across the hallway from me, in the hotel, was a Playboy club. Yeah, that Playboy. There was a Playboy club, and when I I looked, and I saw that, and there was a girl, a bunny, sitting behind the desk. And when I looked at her, saw them, she looked at me. And I looked at her, and she smiled, and she went. <laughs> like that, and I went. <laughs> right? Now, that's, see, that's that in-your-face assaulting wind. How many of you catch what I'm saying to you, right? You understand what I'm saying to you? That's that assaulting wind. Well, pastor, what'd you do? I ate my meal. I went out the other door. I went to the room. I called Rochelle, and I said, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. She thought it was hilarious. I didn't think it was that funny, okay? But she thought it was really funny, right? And I asked her years later, I said, do you remember that time when I told you about that? And she said, yeah. I said, why did you think it was so funny? She said, because of all the men I know, you are the least one I would ever be worried about. Yeah, that was probably one of the greatest compliments she ever paid me. All right? So, but see, most Christians 
Right? If you walked out here at night and somebody offered you drugs or something, most of you go, forget it. You'd walk off. You, you're aware. You're, you're, your guard is up against that assaulting wind. What you're not ready for is that one in the pathway, that subtle wind that causes you to trip and fall. That's what you're not aware of. That's what you're not paying attention to. Does that make sense to you? Okay, so I want you to become sensitive to both of them. Because right now, the church is going through the church, the house of God. There's the word house again, right? So we are houses within the house. Okay? And so we're, the, the house right now is going through all kinds of winds are blowing against the church, the house of God. There's the assaulting winds. We're being threatened. We're being intimidated. You know, I heard a statistic the other day that every eight minutes now, worldwide, a Christian is being killed. Every eight minutes, worldwide, a Christian is being killed. Not died, being killed. Because they will not convert. Every eight minutes. So in the amount of time we're in this service tonight, how many? An hour? How many? Twelve? No, not that many. Eight into sixty. Eight. Eight Christians will lose their lives. While we're sleeping tonight, every hour, click, click, click. So there is that assaulting wind. You catch what I'm saying to you? But there's also the subtle wind blowing against us. All right? Are you learning anything? Is this good? All right? So uh, go with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Right? So we got to stand against the wind. How many of you agree with that? we got to stand against the wind. Got to stand against it. Got to stand against it. Got to be aware of it. Got to stand against it, all right? Now look at James chapter 1, all right, beginning in verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the 12 tribes are scattered abroad. Greeting, my brethren, count it all joy when or if you fall. There's that word fall again, right? There it is. If you fall into different kinds of temptations, tests, and trials. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith energizes patience. The trying of your faith energizes patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth liberty to all men, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. Verse 6. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Nothing wavering. All right? So let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Now, what I forgot to tell you was, is that back in Matthew chapter 7, when it says in the winds blew, the, word, the term winds blew is used metaphorically as an emblem of instability. So the winds blew, and the winds blow to create instability. Instability, to make you shake a little bit. Right? To make you wonder. Right? Because this wind is blowing against your life. And so you begin to wonder, well, is, is that right? Is that correct? Am, oh, I'm not sure. I mean, I thought I believed that. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't believe that. I, I don't know. You know, we, we've always believed this. It's in the Bible, but this people, group of people over here are telling us that we shouldn't believe that, that somehow that's not correct, that's wrong, that's mean, that's ugly, so maybe we shouldn't believe that anymore. Maybe, maybe we need to take that part of the Scripture out. Maybe we need to remove that from our lives because, you know, we... we, we I, I'm, I, well, but, but I can't do that because, you know, it's, it's Scripture, but I'm, see what it does? 
Hmm? It creates in you instability. Because there's nothing more unstable than a wave of water. It just flips and flops whichever way the wind is blowing. It never stands up to the wind. It just goes whichever way the wind blows it. Okay? All right? said, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Verse 8, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. All right? A double-minded man. Now, this is interesting, right? So here we're talking about instability created by the wind, right? Right? Jesus said that the wind is used metaphorically as an emblem of instability. So now he's talking about instability. That man is unstable. What made him become unstable? The wind blowing against his house, against his life. Now, what's interesting there is that, is this good? You're doing okay? Tell me when I need to quit, all right? So the word double-minded there in the Greek text is a word that means to suffer from divided loyalties. To suffer from divided loyalties. Hmm? To suffer from divided loyalties. Wow. I'm going to tell you the truth. Don't go, don't go back to El Paso and tell anybody this. The majority of the counseling I deal with is counseling with people on the other side of that. Their life is suffering now because of divided loyalties. Hmm? I love my spouse, but I went with... But I still love my family. But I went with... But uh, And now your life is suffering because the wind blew you and made you unstable. Can, can, can I just be real blunt with you? I cannot tell you how many times in 40 years of, of pastoring, 38 years of pastoring, 40 years of being in the ministry, I started when I was 10 in case you were wondering, that... <laughs> That wasn't nice, and I'm here as a guest. So anyway, well, I was 10. I had to go through 10 to get to where I was, so I was 10. I wasn't lying. Amen. And so, uh, but I cannot tell you how many people I deal with that if they had just paid attention to the wind, their life would not be suffering. Now, again, wisdom cries in the streets. Right? You, you, can, you can go home and look around the people you know, and you can go, oh, my gosh, look at that. Boy, the wind blew on that house. Now, see, with a subtle wind, you may not see the effect of it for five years, seven years, eight years, ten years. But then you wake up one day, and you cannot, this is what I want to tell you, you cannot imagine how many times I've had people look at me in deep repentance and say, I never dreamed my life 
would be in this place. And you know what? They're not bad people. They just got blown off course. They hooked their foot and they started to stumble and it may have taken them nine years and they fell. Boy, when Jesus taught this in Matthew 7, he taught us a life lesson. Amen. It's like peel back the wisdom of God and there it is screaming at you. Okay? Are you still with me? So, here's this man, right? This, this double-minded, this man that's divided loyalties. He wants to maintain a godly confession and desires the presence of God in his life. But on the other hand, he loves the ways of the world and prefers to live according to its philosophy and ethics at the same time. Now, we are surrounded by this. Surrounded by it. So we need to be aware of it, right? We're surrounded by it. This, this, this divided loyalty comes to us in the form of thoughts, images, ideas, conversations that you have with people casually and, and even people that you know or that you work with, conversations, friendships that blow, listen, into your life. I'm going to say that again. Thoughts, images, ideas, conversations, friendships that blow into your life to cause you to ignore the wisdom of God. Wow. Hey, got a newsflash for you. Going against the wind is a lot harder than going with the wind. That's why so many people go with the wind and don't go against the wind. It's a lot harder. Still with me? How long have I been going? Pastor, I've lost all track of time. What time do you usually get done? 8.30? Is that too late? Well, I need to wrap up because next time they'll, they won't come. They'll be like, I'm not coming. That guy like. Okay, can we go 15, 20 more minutes? Is that cool? You'll be all right. I know tomorrow's a school day, right? It is, right? Tomorrow's Monday. Okay, so that's cool. All right? So, let me take you a little deeper. All right? So, the wind of instability creeps into our minds, causing us to wonder about the ways of God. Divided loyalties. All right? I'll prove it to you. Look at verse 12 of James chapter 1. Blessed is the man that, in, that, that endureth temptations, tests, and trials. For when he is tempted, tested, and tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say. That's pretty clear. I, I, I mean, whatever comes after that, that's a pretty clear opening statement, right? Let no man say, when he is tempted, tested, and tried, I am being tempted, tested, and tried of God. That's pretty clear. Now, I don't know how you could mess that up. But I have just about given up watching a lot of Christian television because I can only assume two things. Either people are teaching the Bible and don't study the Bible before they teach it, which I'm going to prefer to believe that, because the second option is they know what the Bible says, but they want to teach something different. So I'm going to go with the first option. 
And the first option then causes me to want to get up in front of all of them and say, before you teach the Bible, please do everyone a favor and study the Bible before you teach the Bible. Because I am being told constantly on Christian television, I'm sure all around you this weekend in churches all across the Metroplex, pastors stood up and told their congregations that God tempts you, God tests you, and God tries you. But James said, let no man say. But if you listen to the wind, it's going to cause a divided loyalty. So if you believe that God made you sick to teach you a lesson, what are you doing going to the doctor? Now, I encourage you to go to the doctor. I'm not one of those guys that tells people, you know, we don't need doctors. Well, are you crazy? Are, are, are you nuts? Every good gift comes down from the Father of lights, and medicine is definitely a good gift. Is it perfect? No. But there's only one perfect gift, Jesus. All the rest of it is just good. Amen. Right? Yeah. That's, that's what I believe, right? I had somebody the other day say to me, yeah, but Dr. Ding Dong on the radio said, listen, I don't care what Dr. Ding Dong said. I have the Apostle James. I just won that hand. I played the ace of spades there, buddy. I'm telling you, I won that hand. Okay? And the Apostle said, don't say it. But see, if you're not sure, see, that wind comes. Well, you know, this test comes to teach you something, to perfect you, to make you better. Well, if you believe God's doing it, how are you even going to resist it? How do you even know what to pray? Oh, that's so sad. Amen? So it creates this double, this double, this divided loyalty, right? Let's be clear. It is not God that brings the wind. He does not tempt, he does not test, he does not try. Don't let the wind, right? Don't let the wind move you from the truth. Look at verse 17. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift come down from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The word variableness there means there's no change in him. There's no alteration in him. Not even a shadow of turning. He didn't even cast a shadow of turning straight, the same. Okay? So good teaching, huh? Now, go with me to chapter 3. What do you do? How can you fight the winds besides being aware of it? How can you fight the winds? Let me show you. I'll show you one way how you can fight the wind, right? Are you ready? Chapter 3, verse 1. My brethren, be not many masters, right? knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. What's interesting there is the word masters in the original Greek text means teachers. And what he was saying there was, don't have too many teachers. Seems odd coming from God, right? He said, don't have too many teachers. Now, now you need more than one, but don't have too many. Yeah, that's, that's quite a thought. Don't have too many, right? Now, you know, I have people ask me all the time, how many do you have? Well, it doesn't matter how many I have. 
All right, doesn't matter. But I, will, but I have more than one, but I don't have 20. Because if you get too many, you're going to get confused. Amen? Boy, it's interesting that God says things like that, isn't it? I mean, it kind of shocks you, doesn't it? All right? So he said, don't have too many, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. There's a word offend again. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle his whole body. All right? The word bridle there means restrain, govern, control his whole body body. The word offend there means that you will fall into sin. There's that word fall again. You'll fall. You'll fall. You'll fall. All right? Now turn the page. Look at verse 3. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Verse 4. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, watch, and are driven of fierce winds. There's fierce. The assaulting wind. Right, that wind that just blasts against your life, right? It could be a, a financial problem, a sickness in your house, something, a fight going on in your, between you and your spouse, that assaulting wind. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That just comes and does, it just says, we're here and you better get ready, right? I mean, it just hits you in the face, okay? That assaulting wind. The word, the word fierce there means violent, right? Now look what he says. Though, though, though the, it says, yet... Those ships are turned about with a very small hem, whithersoever the governor desires, even so the tongue. So what he just said to us there is, is that when your life is being hit by this assaulting fierce wind, you need to lean on your tongue, right? Because the captain of a ship, right, when he's out at sea and the big wind blows against his ship, what he does is he has to put more pressure on the helm. Why? Because the helm is connected to the rudder. Now, in comparison to the overall size of the ship, the rudder is very small. But that rudder can keep that ship on course no matter what the wind is. He can leave L.A. and, 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 and sail that boat right into the Hong Kong harbor. He doesn't say, well, I sure hope this is China, right? No, he goes, he tracks right into it. But... The whole time he's at sea, right, there's winds, there's currents blowing against that ship. Some of them big and strong, some of them very subtle. And that captain's got to be aware of that, and he's got to lean on that rudder. And if he keeps that rudder in the right place, he'll get that ship right where he wants. If your life comes under a direct assault by a fierce wind, you've got to lean on your rudder. You've got to put your tongue to work more than you do in normal life. Right? That's what he just taught you. That's what he just taught you. Okay? And boy, the pressure comes to do what? To shut up. How can I say I'm healed when everybody can say, say I'm not? Well, I'm not doing it for everybody. I'm doing it for me. I'm keeping my life on track. Hmm? How can I say I love my spouse when I'm mad at them? You better, you better, you better be leaning on that ship, on that rudder. You better be keeping that. Because if you don't, that wind is going to blow you off course. Hmm? The wind's blowing against your life, right? Yeah. You have to keep your life on track, or you can get your life back on track. Maybe not. You say, wow, you know, man, I think my life's off track. Okay, you can get it back on track. Grab a hold of your rudder and lean on it and get your life back on track. 
I know it doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't. But it also doesn't make sense that you and I could be stinkers and confess Jesus as Lord and get to go to heaven. Now, I can understand why God did that for me, but not for you. Just seeing if you're listening. All right? Now, go, let's, let's go look at some verses. All right? It's one thing for me to say. That's another thing for me to prove it. Go with me to Proverbs. Almost done. It's been a good night, huh? We've got to stand against the wind, right? You've got to stand against the wind. Right? There's an old rock and roll song. I love it. Bob Seger, right? I'm older now, but I'm still standing against the wind. You've got, you got to stand against the wind. You've got to stand against it. All right? Proverbs. No, I'm in Isaiah. Stop too soon. Proverbs chapter 12. Let me give you a bunch of verses here. A lot of you know these. I know. I know your pastors teach you on this. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 13. The wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. With what? Your words. <laughs> one thing every one of us have in common tonight is that we could all say amen to this. Our words have got us in trouble, and our words have got us out of trouble. Yeah. Okay. Verse 14. A man shall be satisfied with good. How? By the fruit of his mouth. Be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. Look at chapter 18. Probably the verses on this subject in Scripture. Proverbs 18, verse 20. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth. Mouth and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So, do you love life? You love death. Which one's coming out of your mouth? So, which one ever coming out of your mouth? That's with the fruit you're going to eat. You're going to eat that fruit. Now, you need to be careful. Can I say this to you real quick? Right? In Genesis chapter 1, God establishes the laws of life. The first law of life is that everything produces after its own kind. Okay? Everything produces after its own kind. Thank God for that law of life, that everything produces after its own kind. Right? If you were a nurse working in a maternity ward then you are really thanking God that everything produces after its own kind. Because when you go to work tomorrow, you're not driving to work saying, well, we got nine women coming in. I don't wonder, I wonder what they're going to have. <laughs> Whoo, man, I heard last week I had a lady come in and gave birth to cockroaches. Man, I hope that doesn't happen to us. <laughs> now I got your attention, huh? No, humans produce humans. Dogs produce dogs. Cats produce cats. Fear produces fear. Faith produces faith. Everything produces after its own kind. First law of life. Second law of life, listen, is that the seed is in the fruit. The seed is in the fruit. So what happens in families is, right, the fruit is being spoken, and all the little kids and everybody in the house is eating the same fruit. And the seed that's in that fruit gets in them and bears the same fruit. And then their kids eat that same fruit. The seed gets in them and bears that same fruit. 
So at some point, somebody's got to quit eating the fruit. Got to change the words. Amen. Right? Got to change it. Did you know, this is an astounding statistic. It's an old statistic. It may, it may not be exactly right right now, but it's very close, right? That 80% of women raised by an alcoholic father marry alcoholic husbands. You would think that those women would run from an alcoholic husband because they've seen the chaos that it creates, and yet they marry it. Why? Because all their life they've eaten that fruit. And that suit is, seed is in them. Wow. It's astounding, isn't it? All right? So he says, they that love us shall eat the fruit thereof. Right? They that love us shall eat the fruit thereof. So life and death is where? In the power of the tongue. Go with me to chapter 13. Chapter 13. Look at verse 2 and 3. A man shall eat good by the fruit of his mouth, by his words. But the soul of the transgressor shall eat violence. He that keeps or guards his mouth keeps or guards his life. But he that opens wide his lips shall have destruction. <sighs> Can't be any clearer than that. Chapter 21. Chapter 21. Look at verse 23. Whoso keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul... From troubles. Your mind, your emotions, and your will. So if you guard your words, you can keep your soul from troubles. Wow. Amazing, huh? Go with me to Ephesians 4. All right, got, got time. You said I could go, I've got about three or four more minutes. Go with me to Ephesians 4. Are we good? We've got to stand against the wind, amen? Stand against the wind. It's blowing on all of our lives. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Look at verse 27. Oh, my gosh, what a beautiful verse. No, that's not the verse I want. Why did you write that, Charles? 29. Yeah, that's the right verse. Why did you all tell me 27? It was 29 all the time. Look what he says. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your Mouth. The word corrupt means shameful, filthy, without honor, deceitful, profane. So don't, 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 let it, don't let it come out of your mouth. You know, I sit in counseling. I'm sure you passed the same thing. I sit in counseling sessions, and I have people sitting in front of me that have come to see me, right, for their marriages, and I have to stop them and tell them to quit cussing in my office. In my office. In my office. My office is not in the back of a bar. It's attached to the church. I am a man of God. And I look at them and say, I don't even want to imagine if you're talking to that way here in my presence, I don't even want to think about the words you use at home. And then your kids go to school and say those words, and you, and you spank them. What is wrong with you? Uh, 
And the Bible tells us, don't let those words come out of your mouth. I feel sorry for a lot of you young people because you have been raised thinking that this is the way it's always been in America. And it's not. This is relatively new. This profaneness is relatively new. Hmm? Sad. I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for a lot of you young ladies. Because you hear words now that used to only be spoken in locker rooms. It's sad. I feel sorry for you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I think we let you down. Hallelujah. If you're dating a guy right now and he doesn't respect you with his words, do yourself a favor. Step away from the curb. Don't, don't, don't get on that bus. God can bring you a better bus. Amen. Then that old filthy, dirty one right there standing in front of you. All right? Let's continue on. Right? Verse 29. Almost done. Okay? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good... The word good means useful, beneficial to others, profitable. Good. Beneficial to others. Profitable. That which is good to the use of edifying. The word edifying means building up versus falling down. The wind's cup to do what? To take you from a higher to a lower. Use your words to go from lower to higher. Don't use your words to go from higher to lower. Huh? That's the wind blowing against your life. Wow, this is so incredible. That it may minister grace unto the hearers. Now, what's interesting there is most of us know the word grace is God's unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. But... Here, it carries other definitions. Watch. He says, the word grace there means speak words that minister grace. In other words, what is acceptable? That which causes joy. Are you writing this down? That which causes joy, favor, acceptance, thanks, and gratitude. That little practice right there would eliminate the majority of divorces in America today. Right there. If the people, the husband and the wife said, from now on, I'm going to speak words that in your life will cause joy, favor, acceptance, thanks, and gratitude. In the New Testament, that word grace speaks of words that, this is all out of the Greek English Dictionary, right? Speaks of words that produce gratefulness, agreeableness, and acceptableness. I don't even know if those are words, but they were in the dictionary. It is so important that we talk to ourselves the right way and that we keep ourselves in a state of gratitude, agreeableness, and acceptableness to keep our, heart, our, our houses, our ships on course, going in the, direction, the right direction as we stand against the wind. Did you learn anything good tonight? Amen. I gave you two-thirds of it. I hope that helped you. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's pray? Then pastor will come. Thank you. You all have been very patient. I don't know how long it went, but there we are. Lift your hands towards heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand before you tonight here in your house on this Sunday night, thanking you for your counsel, your wisdom, your light shining upon our paths. 
And now, Lord, I ask you to make all of us very, very sensitive to the winds blowing against our houses, blowing against our ships, the violent assaulting wind and those subtle winds that just may be blowing across our lives right now in the form of thoughts, the form of temptations, the form of ideas. May we be sensitive to that and not look at it and say, well, it doesn't hurt. It will in the long run. May we be sensitive to it and shut that stuff down. And others at night, Father, that are struggling in life, the hard wind is blowing against their life or their home or their health, I pray tonight, Father, that they'll be encouraged to go home and start leaning hard on the rudder of their ship to really start putting more pressure through the confession of your word, the speaking of what is acceptable, agreeable with your word, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Thank you so much. Pastor. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.